0: happy Sabbath. God is good and all the time. God is good. He he is a stronghold in the day of trouble and he knoweth them that trust in him. If you trust in the magicians, if you trust on the sorcerers, if you trust on the witches, when that day comes, you'll be running helter-skelter. May you learn to trust in the Lord. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it. And he is safe. Not just anyone will run into the tower. It is only the righteous. It is only the righteous who know where the tower is. My prayer is that you may have that wisdom to know where the tower is. Let us pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father. We just want to thank you for being so gracious and so good to each and every one of us. We especially thank you for the visitors that you've brought to this holy convocation. It is not a coincidence. It is not that they were idle. It is not that they were bored wherever they were. But you purposed. You designed that this day they will find themselves in your holy temple. Heavenly Father, You've promised that he who comes to your house of worship, you will bless them. Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing them before even they asked for these blessings. We are praying and asking that you may bless them. I know they are going to face opposition. The devil is going to whisper foolish things into their ears to discourage them. May you give them the written word that they may use it to send him away. Bless their resolve. Bring them to your holy house. May they stay here with us. I pray that they may meet friends here. Friends who will walk with them. Friends who will be a good example unto them. Should there be anyone who is not a good example, may they not unite with such a one. It is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The business of souls is a matter of life and death. It is the greatest business that we have on earth. And therefore, we must give it the attention and the seriousness that it deserves. The greatest sin that is unpardonable is when you take the day of the Lord and you use it for your own business. When you take the day of the Lord, the holy hours, and you want to sleep on your bed. When you take the holy hours and you want to visit a friend, not because you are going to encourage them, but just because you are going to catch up. Those are not things to be done on the Sabbath. The Sabbath day is a day that we spend with God, reading from his holy books, reading, encouraging each other, and preparing for his second return. How many believe God is coming back? How many believe Jesus is coming back? Now, when is Jesus coming back? When is soon? Because Ellen White has been preaching for 200 years, and he's not here with us. When is soon? When? Do we believe that Jesus is just about to come by the way? Do we know that Jesus is about to come? Do we have hints? How long should this world be? How long is this world going to be before it comes to an end? Quickly, I've not begun my preaching so you can respond. How long? Yes, my brother. 6,000 years. Thank you. Where are we as we speak? How many years has it lasted as we speak? How many years? 6,000. How do we know that it is 6,000? There is a book Ellen White has written, Darkness Before Dawn. Darkness Before Dawn. And this is what she says in that book. The chapter is entitled, Creation Delivered from Sin. When is creation delivered from sin? When is creation delivered from sin? It is not at your baptism. The ultimate and final deliverance will be when Jesus Christ descends and comes to take the righteous and faithful to heaven, to stay there for 1,000 years, and then they'll come back, and this earth will be destroyed, and wickedness will cease to exist forever and ever. Thank you for those who are faithful and are saying amen. This is what she says. Satan's work of ruin is forever ended. Satan's work is forever ended. For 6,000 years, he has wrote his will. In other words, he has been doing what he wanted to do. The way he answered when he he wanted to frustrate Job, God asks him, where are you coming from? And he says, from roaming all over. So he has been doing his will. He has been making sure that he's keeping you from the truths of God filling the earth with woe and causing grief throughout the universe. The whole creation is groaned and travailed together in pain. Now God's creatures are forever delivered from his presence and temptations. In other words, he will not be able to put his hands on them. He will not be able to deceive them again. He will not be able to tempt them again. They are forever plucked from his presence. Now God's creatures are forever delivered from his presence and temptations, so we can clearly tell that this world's history will be 6,000 years or thereabout. We may not chronologically say this time ends on such and such a date or year or time, but we can tell the time period for 6,000 years when Jesus was born. How old was the world then? It was 4,000 years. It is very clear from the spirit of prophecy. By the time Jesus Christ was taking on humanity, humanity had suffered and degenerated for 4,000 years. Since the birth of Jesus Christ, how many years have elapsed? 2021, if you assume he was born in zero, zero. So, if we count from zero, zero, that is 2,021. What is 2,021 plus 4,000? 6,021. Have we surpassed the time limit if we are counting from zero, zero? Yes, we have. If we choose to count from the time he was baptized, what year was that? AD 27. When will the 6,000 years end? 2,027. If we choose to count from the time he died, when did he die? AD 31. If you want to add 6,000, or you want to get 6,000, when will that take you to? 2031, brothers and sisters. It is possible that each and every one of you who is seated here will see Jesus descending. I'm not telling you he's coming in AD 20, in 2027. I'm not telling you he's coming in 2031. Because he says he has to cut the time short. He may choose to add a little more. But one thing I know about God, when the time limit has ended, prophecy has to do what? To be fulfilled. We are living in dangerous times. Probation is soon to close. Anytime. We are not even sure whether we'll get to 2025. Even 2023, we are not sure. And we are taking the privileges lightly. Brothers and sisters, let us be serious. What should be ringing on our mind is what do I need to do so that I'm not clocked out when probation closes. That is what we ought to be asking ourselves. And it is my prayer that God may give you that wisdom. It is serious, my brothers and sisters. Heaven is so near yet so far. Imagine out of 7 billion people, only 144,000 will qualify. What gives me hope, my brothers and sisters, is that as a seven-day Adventist, living between 1884 and the coming of Jesus Christ, if I'll be faithful, I will resurrect just before his coming, and I'll be able to see him descending. Imagine if you don't resurrect in a special resurrection, you'll resurrect in the second general resurrection. And there'll be no heaven for you if you are a Seventh day Adventist. It is that serious. And it is my prayer that whatever we are going to study this morning will help us in that preparation. I'm not here to scare you. I'm only here to to bring to your attention that it is very, very serious serious thank you my brother god bless you thank you for being a faithful levite aha bearing god's image bearing god's image Bearing God's image. If you do not have his image, there is no heaven for you, my brother and sister. If you do not, by the way, I was impressed to see children here. Come with them in the afternoon. We may be having something special for them. We may be having lessons for you parents, for your children. Beautiful lessons on how you can stay with your child for 15 years or more without stepping in hospital. You know, some of you don't believe that you can stay for 20 years, 30 years, without stepping into the hospital. It happens, even when you have a chronic disease. It happens. You can stay for 20 years or more. You don't have to live in pain, desperation, complaining all the time. Christianity is a walk of joy. Even As we live in this world of sorrow. Surrounded with pain, sorrow, and confusion. We thank God for his love for his children. Shall we pray? I may forget to pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you one more time. To plead that you may dwell in this holy convocation. In this holy temple. That you may surround us with your goodness. That you may impress upon each and every one of us a desire to unite with you. Touch my lips, O Heavenly Father. Touch my mind, O King of Kings. May I be truthful. May I deliver that which you've given to me. Adding nothing unto it. Subtracting nothing unto it. I pray for my brothers and sisters. May you give them patience. May you give them understanding. May you comfort them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We sang a very powerful song. A very beautiful hymn. I don't know whether you realized that you made a commitment to the Lord. I don't know whether you realized that you made a promise to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. And that should be a prayer Of every Christian living today. For we are on the verge. On the verge of witnessing. The holy one descending from heaven. He is about. To leave the holy of holies. The most holy place. On heaven. In heaven and in earth. And when he leaves the holy of holies. There will be a time of trouble. Like has never been witnessed in this world. And the only way one may go through the time of trouble is only if they have the seal of God on their forehead. We can only receive the seal of God if we are bearing God's image. That seal will not be given to you just because you come here every Sabbath to worship, just because you can sing the hymns, just because you have scriptures in your mind, just because you can open the Bible, that is not the criteria. You must bear the image of God. It is therefore not a light matter to bear the image of God. It is simply critical for your salvation. It means you will be sealed for eternity. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation. How many of us believe that we are a chosen generation? I believe I am a chosen generation. Be it according to your faith. Many of you have chosen not to raise your hands. The devil is watching. And he's marking you. And he will be directing his temptations to your side. Let me give you another chance to redeem yourself. Some miracles God doesn't do. Some prayers you answer by yourself. How many believe they are a chosen generation? Amen. Amen. A royal priesthood and an holy nation are peculiar people. I didn't like the words that were used in the Bible that was read here. Are special people. We are not special. We are peculiar. We are peculiar in how we eat, peculiar in how we dress. Peculiar in the kind of music that we listen to. Peculiar in how we relate to the opposite sex. We are peculiar in our Christian walk. We are peculiar in how we worship our God. We are peculiar in how we use the talent of speech. We don't just jest around, just joking around. We don't just speak any words. We must speak words that will minister grace to the hearer. If you believe those words, may you say amen. Amen. Many of us want to be identified as a chosen generation. And you know, this verse is loved by many Christians, and they use it for pride. They use it to boast against their neighbors that, you know what, I'm a Christian. You know what, I'm a child of God. Just pump pride in their hearts. To pump pride in their hearts. Mm. But they only end it at peculiar. They only end it at special. They don't go to the last part of that verse that says that he may shew forth the praises. Praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that is the commission that is given to each and every person who is a chosen Christian, who is a royal priesthood, who is a peculiar person. They want to be associated with the royal priesthood. They call themselves an holy nation, but they do not want to be a peculiar people. Many of us don't want to be peculiar. We want to assimilate with the world. We want to look like the world, but go by the name Christian. What does Belial have to do? Thank you. A chosen people will be peculiar in every respect. A royal priesthood will be peculiar in their actions. And holy people will evidently be peculiar in their everyday life. They will not wait for the Sabbath day. And that is when they have a beautiful language. Ah, God bless you. Ah, ah. How have you been? God is good. But during the week, William Shenzi. That is not a chosen generation. That is not a royal hmm? will your father. Really? Is that a chosen person? Is that a peculiar person? You are not marching to heaven. You are marching to the opposite direction. The children of Israel boasted of being a chosen generation. They said they are a royal priesthood and holy nation. And of course, they believed they were peculiar. They believed that heaven was reserved for them. Canaan, in this case, they believed that no other person would get into Canaan. And as such, they despised the Gentiles. They despised any other person who was not going by the name Peculiar. Their interpretation of the meaning was skewed to their feelings and hard desires. They imagined that heaven was theirs to take and there was nothing they needed to do on their part. Brothers and sisters, if at all we believe that heaven is ours, if at all we are marching to Canaan, we must be peculiar. I came across this quotation and it made me wonder. It, I loved it. We profess to be pilgrims and strangers on earth, journeying to a better country, even and heavenly. If we are indeed but sojourners here, traveling to a land where none but the holy can dwell. Only the holy people will dwell in that land. We shall make it our first business to become acquainted with that country. Many of us want to go to heaven, but they are not being acquainted with what is expected of them if they must be citizens of that country. They do not know even the order that we will take to acquire this heaven. We shall make diligent inquiry as to the preparation needed, the manners and character which we must have in order to become citizens there. Jesus, the king of that land, is pure and holy. He has commanded his followers, be ye holy, for I am holy. If we are hereafter to associate with Christ and sinless angels, we must here obtain a fitness for such a society. Many think that Jesus will come and change our characters. If you do not have a character that is fit for heaven, there is no heaven for you. The only thing that will be changed is your body. You will be given a body that does not fall sick, a body that does not die. But the character that you form on earth remains, and that is the character that qualifies you for heaven. I hope that is clear. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. And God said, who said? What did he say? Let us make man in our image after our own likeness. Was it in the image of monkeys and baboons and gorillas and chimpanzees that he chose to make man? No. And for the avoidance of doubt, we will read verse 27. For it says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of chimpanzees. Is that what your Bible says? I hope not. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. There was. There, have, there we have our answer. God created man in his own image after his own likeness. You know many people have wondered whether God is a white or a black. Yellow. As my children would call Amzungu, that person is yellow. One may wonder how exactly was man as he came out of God's hands. What is the image of God? One thing I can tell you this morning, my brothers and sisters, man was to bear God's image, both in outward resemblance and in character. Outward resemblance, your physical stature and character. That image was most evident in terms of his spiritual nature, of course. Christ alone is the express image of the Father. And that one we read in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. But man was formed in the likeness of God. When Adam came from the Creator's hand, he bore in his physical, mental, and spiritual nature a likeness of his Maker, not of a baboon. His nature was in harmony with the will of God. His mind was capable of comprehending divine things. His affections were pure. His appetites were under the control of reason. Appetite under the control of reason. Not under the control of the body. You don't eat what you feel like eating. You eat what your mind approves of. And you use the health laws to gauge or to determine. He was holy and happy in bearing the image of God and in perfect obedience to his will. The only thing that made Adam happy was when he was obedient to the will of God when he was obedient to his commandments. So long as he was bearing the image of God, he was happy. That is PP. I believe that is Patriarchs and Prophets, page 45, paragraph 2. God created man in his own image, and it was his purpose that the longer man lived, the more fully he should reveal his image, the more fully he should reflect the glory of the creator. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, said the Lord. Thoughts of what? Peace and not of evil, To give you an expected end. This has been God's position from the beginning. He desired that the very best, He desired the very best for Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden. Brethren, the Eden home of our first parents was prepared for them by God Himself. When He had furnished it with everything that man could desire, He said, Let us make man in our own image and our own likeness. Before you came into this earth, God made sure that everything that you need for your survival was available and was present. Wonderful. So long as Adam remained obedient to God, his nature reflected the divine holiness of his maker. His affections were set on the things above and not on the things on this earth. His life was hid in Christ fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, idolatry, evil surmising, gossip, lying, were all strange and were not known to Adam. That was his nature when he was bearing God's image. There was no anger in his nature, not a single vice, whether malice, selfishness, blasphemy, wrath, Evil communication, whatever you can imagine, nothing of that kind existed in Adam simply because he was bearing God's image. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. We will not read it here, but you can take it in your notes. In like manner, when we bear God's image, my friends, our nature will be godly. It will be holy. We will be pure in character. Brethren, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin, from all unrighteousness. First John chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. If you believe those words, my brothers and sisters, say amen. It is quite telling when you find Adventists who tell you that no one can read the heart except God. They want to live anyhow, only like people of the world. And then when you try asking them, they tell you, Who made you judge over me? Friends, let us not make God a liar. We must be peculiar. We cannot dress like the world. We cannot sing songs of the world. We cannot have songs of the world in our phones as ringtones and call ourselves. Peculiar. It is not possible. We must separate from the world. We cannot eat like the world and call ourselves peculiar. We must, we can't worship like the world and call ourselves peculiar. Friends, we must make a decided choice. We must separate from evil. We must unite ourselves with heaven. They will tell you, the Lord knows my heart. It doesn't matter what I do. What matters is that my heart is preserved for the Lord. For such I ask them, where are your works to defend your faith? You cannot separate works from faith. When Adam came out of God's hands, he was perfect. He was not deficient in any way, and he could only bear the image of God if he remained in this state as the bare minimum. God desired that Adam would increase in knowledge, in stature, and wisdom both with man and God. Throughout eternal ages, they would have continued to gain new treasures of knowledge, to discover fresh springs of happiness, and to obtain clearer and yet clearer conceptions of wisdom, the power and the love of God. They would have continued, they, have, they would have continued bearing God's image. And that is what happens when we choose to unite with Jesus, when we choose to keep his decalogues, when we choose to be faithful to our our Savior, we bear his image. And we enjoy even as we wait for his second coming. God says, I know the thoughts that I have toward you. But sadly, by disobedience, this was forfeited. Through sin, the divine likeness was marred and well nigh obliterated. Man's physical powers were weakened, his mental capacity was lessened, his spiritual vision was dimmed, he became subject to death. In other words, he ceased bearing God's image. He was no longer the being that was created by God. His nature changed. Remember, so long as Adam remained loyal to God, he was bearing God's image. At the point of disobedience, he stopped bearing God's image. When they broke the laws of nature, the laws of health, they ceased bearing God's image. Friends, the book Temperance has this quotation for our learning. You were created in perfection and beauty. Man came from the hands of his creator perfect in organization and beautiful in form, bearing the image and likeness of God. Man was the crowning act of the creation of God, made in the image of God and designed to be a counterpart of God. Adam was a noble being with a, with a powerful mind, a will in harmony with the will of God, and affections that centered upon heaven. Imagine, every name that he gave to animals, God never challenged it. God would just say, tick, 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 tick. His will, his mind was in harmony. With the mind of who? Of God. So long as he did not break the laws of nature, the laws of health. So long as he was temperate. He possessed a body, here to no disease. There was no way Adam was going to get sick. And a soul bearing the impress of deity. He stood before God in the strength of perfect manhood all the organs and faculties of his being were equally developed and harmoniously balanced. These days we have children being born with lifestyle diseases. I hear of children suffering from diabetes from day zero. And yet when Adam came from God's hands, all his organs were perfect and working harmoniously. Friends, the health message is not a light matter. It is for your salvation and my salvation. Let no one lie to you that health message is not connected with your Christian work. If at all you desire to be in heaven, think twice. He ceased bearing God's image. He was no longer the being that was created by God, his nature changed. And we know how this happened. The serpent beguiled Eve and she ate the fruit and disobeyed God. She w- had she restrained her appetite, then no sin would have been committed. She desired the fruit of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And she went ahead and ate the fruit from the forbidden tree. It needs to be made clear that there was nothing wrong in the act of eating the fruit. The only mistake was that the fruit that was eaten was picked from the Forbidden Tree. It was picked from the Forbidden Tree. And my question to you this morning, are you busy picking from the Forbidden Tree? Are you busy plucking fruits from the Forbidden Tree? Are you a lover of music from the Forbidden Tree? Do you love fashion that originated from the Forbidden Tree? Are you busy eating foods from the Forbidden Tree? Are you watching and reading from the forbidden tree, what do you do when you're spending your leisure time, your free time? Are you busy plucking from the forbidden tree? If we, if all who profess to be the followers of Christ were truly sanctified, were bearing his image, their means, instead of being spent for needless and even harmful indulgences, would be turned into the Lord's treasury, and Christians would send an example of temperance, self-denial, and self-sacrifice, then they would be the light of the world. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely eat. It is here that the Lord gave man the principle of temperance, self control, a restrained appetite. From the very foundations of this world's history, the health message has been in place. It was in the beginning of man's life that God gave these instructions it has continuously and consistently played out in the lives of every member of the chosen generation. The children of Israel were required to eat certain kinds of food. They were to abstain from certain kinds of pleasure. We see it in the lives of the prophets of old, we see it in the life of the disciples. It is nothing new. It was imprinted in the life of Jesus. And as soon as God established the Seventh-day Adventist church, he gave them a prophet. And among the first visions she received was the vision on health reform. See, my teeth small thing to you, my brothers and sisters, that God would take his time to send health reform message to the generation living in the very last days of this earth's history. That was in 1850. It has been there since the time memorial, and it will be there in heaven. It will be there in heaven. And if you can't change your appetite, if you can't change what you love eating, you may be bored in heaven. And God does not love making people bored. So he will give you your will, and he will let you. At creation, every provision was made whereby blessings might be secured to the human race, and but one mild restriction was placed upon the sinless pair, and that was to test their loyalty to God. This principle is true for every Christian today, more so to the Seventh-day Adventist. God has made every provision whereby blessings or salvation might be secured. And he only demands a sacrifice from us if at all there is any sacrifice that we must make. On those things that would ruin our happiness, things that would bring sorrow and tribulation on our pilgrimage, those are the things that God requires us to put away. And we want to call that sacrifice. God tells you, Put away sugar because it is going to make you sick. Is that a sacrifice? It is not. God tells you alcohol is not good for you. Put it aside. And you call that sacrifice? It is not. Sacrifice is when you have to forgo your meals for a whole week just because you are contributing for a mission that is taking place in December. Now that is sacrifice. If you believe that, say amen. Wonderful. God requires us to put aside, to sacrifice those things that will bring ruin to, to us, things that will make us miss the glorious city that He has gone to prepare for us, things that will cost you your salvation. God will never require you to sacrifice that which is essential for your salvation. But every, but very few of the Christian world are following their master in a course of humble obedience, progressing in holiness and perfection of Christian character. Brothers, it is so sad that intemperance and licentiousness are greatly increased and are practiced to a large extent under the clock of Christianity. This deplorable state of things is not because men are obedient to God's law, but because their hearts rise in rebellion to his holy precepts. And that is why it is so sad. That is why we are wallowing in sicknesses. We are sick like the Egyptians. Sick! like those who worship idols. The birth of a son to Zacharias. Who was this son? John the Baptist. Like the birth of the child of Abraham and that of Mary was to teach a great spiritual truth, a truth that we are slow to learn and ready to forget. In our lives, we are incapable of doing any good thing, but that which we cannot do, we will be brought or will be wrought or done by the power of God in every submissive and believing soul. Eve thought that she was strong enough to resist the devil on her own. Had she been submissive and received God, she would have overcome the devil. It was through faith that the child of promise was given to Zachariah. It is through faith that the spiritual life is begotten and we are enabled to do the works of righteousness. We cannot bear God's image by our own power. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Many of us are trying to live Christian lives on our own. We begin very well only to find it is not sustainable. It is because we are doing it with our own might and our own power. We are not calling upon Jesus to strengthen us, to guide us, to open our eyes and our minds that we may interpret and understand what it means to live a Christian life. As a prophet, John was to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared For the Lord, for his first coming. In preparing the way for Christ's first advent, he was a representative of those who are to prepare a people for our Lord's second coming. John is our example. He prepared the way for Jesus' birth. We are to prepare the way for the second return of Jesus. Therefore, we must study his life. We must study his character. We must ask ourselves, how did he lead his life? Being a representative of those who are to prepare themselves and other people for our Lord's second coming, it would be very important for us to examine his life keenly, try and understand how he lived and why he picked that lifestyle. Let me give you an update, the state of the nations today. The world is given to self indulgence. Errors and fables abound, like those that you're experiencing between March 2020 to date. Fables, errors. And because we've rejected the health message, we blindly follow like fools. God in his own wisdom, so that he doesn't need anything to block the fresh air that you must needs breathe. And somebody who does not understand how the human mechanism works tells you that you must needs on, put on a mask all the time. Friends, you are going to injure your brain. Your brain needs oxygen to operate well. Many are going to collapse because they are harming their bodies. Use them with wisdom. If at all you must put it on, cover your mouth. Don't cover your nose. You need fresh air for your mind. That is a fact. The world is given to self-indulgence. Errors and fables abound. Certain snares for destroying souls are multiplied. And you can be sure there is one that is coming very soon. All who would perfect holiness in the fear of God, all who would bear the image of God, must learn the lessons of temperance and self-control. The appetites and passions must be held in subjection to the higher powers of the mind. This self-discipline is essential to that mental strength and spiritual insight which will enable us to understand and to practice the sacred truths of God's word. For this reason, temperance finds its place in the work of preparation for Christ's second coming. No wonder it is given to us as a law of health. Temperance is one of the greatest laws Mm. of health. In the days of Noah, the very same sin of intemperance led to their destruction. You can read that in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 to 39. For they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the son of man be it is clear from the word of god john was to go forth as jehovah's messenger to bring to men the light of god in other words he was bearing god's image he must give a new direction to their thoughts he must impress them with the holiness of god's requirements and their need of his perfect righteousness such a messenger must be holy. He must be a temple for the indwelling of God's spirit. In order to fulfill his mission, in order to bear God's image, he must have a sound physical constitution and mental and spiritual strength. Therefore, it would be necessary for him to control the appetites and passions. He must be able so to control all his powers that he could stand among men as unmoved. By surrounding circumstances, as the rocks and mountains of the wilderness. He must stand apart from the world. Are you ready to stand apart from the world? And this is what the chosen generation has been called to do to control their appetites and passions so that they can control all their powers, and stand before men unmoved by circumstances. Many of us cannot withstand the winds blowing, winds of fashion, winds of music, winds of worldliness. We have a a weakened moral character. We cannot even choose to eat the right food even when we know that it is harming us. So, if you cannot overcome tea, how will you overcome persecution, my brothers and sisters? If you cannot overcome eating meat, how will you overcome when the Sunday law has been effected? How will you overcome? How? How? It is no light matter. It is to prepare you for the crisis that is ahead. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. First Peter, chapter 2, verse 11. Peter sends us a warning in his first letter, and he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts. What are they doing? They are warring against your soul. The word of God plainly warns us that unless we abstain from fleshly lusts, the physical nature will be brought into conflict with the spiritual nature. And that is why at times we find worship boring. We find church boring. Because during the week, the seven days, you are listening to songs that make you, you want to be doing like that. Eh? And then you, when you come here, we are like the woman, are the well... You try to, it is not coming. You try, it is not coming. And then you wonder, what is happening? In order to bear God's image, we must abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. We must abstain from certain kinds of music, my friends. We must abstain from certain kinds of TV programs. There are people here who are watching wrestling throughout the week, and then they come here, they want to call themselves Christians. How can your mind be watching? How do you, how do you interpret being kind and rejoicing when somebody is being put down? How do you marry the two? Certain TV programs must be stopped. The reason why some of us are unable to overcome is because of What? We watch. We must abstain from short dresses, tight clothing, clothes revealing our personal property or nakedness. We must abstain from certain kinds of hairstyles. We must abstain from certain kinds of pleasures. Any pleasure that is not sacred. We must abstain from certain kinds of conversations and friends, certain kinds of books, novels, fictions. We must abstain from certain kinds of foods. At times, we may be called to even abstain from our own family members. It is that serious. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Friends, we must be very careful and intentional because every sinful gratification tends to benumb the faculties and deaden the mental and spiritual perceptions. Second Corinthians 7 verse 1, it says let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit. Perfecting what? Holiness in the fear of God. In the time of John the Baptist, greed for riches and the love of luxury and display had become widespread. Sensuous pleasures, feasting and drinking were causing physical disease and degeneracy, benumbing the spiritual perception and lessening the sensibility to sin. John was to stand as a reformer by his abstemious life and plain dress. He was to rebuke the excesses of his time. Hence, the directions given to the parents of John, a lesson of intemperance and we know what happened. God directed his parents, let nothing impure go through your mouth only that which is holy and acceptable in the words or in the sight of God. No wonder when Jesus Christ was born in the book of Isaiah chapter 7 verse 15, we learn that he was eating the food that would help him to know how to choose good and refuse evil. And the child, John, grew. We know that very well. very well. He worked strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. I've already told you what happened when he was given birth. His mother was not expected to eat anything that would cause disease, anything that would make the blood acidic or impure. And I wish to tell you To let you know that every important child who was born in Israel, Samuel, Samson, John the Baptist, Jesus, name them, these same instructions were given to their parents. The parents shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, shall eat only the right kinds of food. They shall conduct them in a manner to honor God. The same happened to Daniel and his friends, the three Hebrew boys. You can be sure this was the practice all over Israel. Friends, God had called the son of Zacharias to a great work. The great ever committed to man, bearing God's image. In order to accomplish this work, he must have the Lord to work with him. And the spirit of God would be with him if he heeded the instruction of the angel. John was successful. In his God-given mission, because he remained faithful, he chose to make sacrifices for God. He chose to forgo earthly pleasure. And in faith, he chose to behold the heavenly kingdom. He was thus able to bear God's image. We know the story of Esau. He lost his birthright just because he could not overcome appetite. God does not own the pleasure seeker as his follower. Those only who are self-denying, and who live lives of sobriety, humility, and holiness are true followers of Jesus, and they are the only ones who can truly bear his image. The true followers of Christ will have sacrifices to make. Those who must bear God's image will have sacrifices to make in their lives. They will shun places of worldly amusement because they find no Jesus there. They will shun dressing that is too tight or too short, dressing that exposes their nakedness. They will shun certain kinds of music. They will shun certain kinds of careers, certain kinds of education, certain kinds of friends and families because they find no Jesus there they will shun certain kinds of food certain kinds of pleasures they will choose to be what we call radical reformers radical temperance reformers and my assignment this morning is to identify radical temperance reformers for jesus christ radical temperance reformers for our lord and savior and if you are here and you are saying in your heart you desire to be a radical temperance reformer in all facets of life in what you eat in how you dress in the music you listen to in the kind of books that you read in the kind of tv programs that you're watching i want to invite you up front, that we may pray together. I'm not calling any dick and hurry. I'm calling somebody who is meditating in their heart, and they are choosing. They are promising God that with your strength, with your guidance, I'm going to be a radical temperance reformer. I want to invite you to join me up front that we may pray together. If you desire to overcome a habit It is only by being temperate that you will bear God's image. You cannot just wear anything that you meet there because it is available in fashion. You cannot just go to class and you read, study anything. You cannot just be employed by any company. It must be such that will allow you to worship your Lord in truth and in spirit. If there is such a one I don't need the whole church. I don't need hundred people. I don't need twenty people. I don't need ten people. I need that one faithful soul. And that is what heaven is after. If they search, don't spend time. Please walk up front. Walk up front so that we may pray together. This war is a war of darkness. Evil forces. It is not a war of blood and f- flesh. If you've been struggling with a habit, people come here, they talk you about it and you despise it is not small matter my brothers and sisters if you want to be a radical temperance reformer this is your chance please come remember when you declared before other Christians they become your watchword you are able to keep yourself because you've declared in public that I want to unite with Jesus Christ you don't need to know how you will do it. You only need to believe in the promises that are found in the Holy Book. If you are such a one who believes that Jesus Christ can give you strength to overcome, I invite you to come up front. that we may pray together. We do not have time. We saw that Jesus is about to come. And if we cannot overcome these things, we cannot prepare for the sealing. You must be sealed before Jesus comes before the National Sunday Law. And these are some of the things that are warring against the soul. And as such, we are not able to prepare. Friends, heaven is real. It is only real for those who will choose. To serve God diligently. I know your heart could be throbbing and pumping. What will my friends say? It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter. Just come. Tell your neighbor to get hold of you and to bring you. Please come. I'll give you a minute to think over it so that you don't make a rash decision. Thereafter, I'll pray to end this sermon. those who desire God's help those are the people that he sends angels to come and strengthen them angels that excel in strength angels that excel in power, angels that excel in righteousness he directs them to your heart that they may show you and tell you and guide you we are in the midst of Babylon and morning after morning we face temptations strength. We need Jesus Christ if you desire to overcome. And friends, I'll give you one secret. I'll give you one secret. Those of you who have come here, if you want to overcome sin, you must begin by reforming your diet. There are foods that make it difficult for us to reform or rather to overcome sin. Put away flesh, Put away dairy, put away sugars. Even Bible study will become enjoyable. The prophecies that we fear will begin enjoying them. I can testify to you. I'm a person who would just open the Bible, read one sentence, and I'm already yawning. And I close it, I sleep. But these days, I can spend a whole day, and I feel that the time is insufficient thank you for those who have made this decision. May you be faithful. And it is my prayer that you may consider the diet. It will help you to overcome music. It will help you to overcome dress. It will help you to overcome many other things. The reason why many fall back is because they do not begin from health. Going to kneel, going to pray. We thank you for being so good, for being so gracious, for being so loving, for being so compassionate. We are so grateful that we know you, that we serve a living God, that we serve a God who is happy, When we come back to him. That you are not happy to see anyone being lost or destroyed. It is not your desire to destroy anyone. But sadly, at one point, you must destroy wickedness. So that those who are faithful may enjoy their stay on this earth. Heavenly Father, we face tribulations, temptations each and every day. Our spirit is willing But the flesh is so weak. Your children have come up front to declare of that fact that they are willing to unite with you. They are willing to lead a temperate life. But Heavenly Father, the devil has an experience of 6,000 years. And for 6,000 years, he's been studying the psychology of man. And he knows the right mixture and concentration of temptation to bring before each and every one of them. Each and every one of us to make us fall. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that without you, we cannot overcome. And we invite you into our hearts. I especially pray for these who've declared in public that they want to be radical temperance reformers. They want to make an about turn. It could be in the area of dressing. It could be in the area of eating. It could be fornicators. It could be that they are liars. It could be that somebody is addicted to pornography, addicted to masturbation. Heavenly Father, I don't know what their struggle is, but you know and you say whatever is impossible with men shall be possible with God. Heavenly Father, may you come through for each and every one of them. May you reveal your glory to each and everyone who has declared this morning, this afternoon, that they want to be back, to unite with you, to make peace with you. May you give them strength. Heavenly Father, for those who've joined us this Sabbath for fellowship, we are so happy that they found time to be here. We are praying that you may bless them too, that you may minister to each and every one of them, opening their understanding to your words, opening their understanding. To the instructions that you give us in your holy book. Bless those who are sick with healing. Show them what they must do to get well. I also want to thank you for giving me strength, and I'm praying that you are told there's anything that I did which is not right before Thee. May You forgive me. May You get it from the minds of your children. And may that only which is ordained by You remain in their hearts. Bless the rest of the programs.